Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I have a guest with me today that I'm going to guess a lot of you know, and if you don't, I want you to get to know him because he is a true uh, fighter against things that we all talk about, cancel culture, um, anti-law enforcement sentiment and so many other things. But first and foremost, he's the CEO of a really terrific uh, watch company. He's also an actor. I'm gonna guess you have probably seen him many times before. Elon Strulovich, welcome to the show. Great to be here. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about the watches, uh, which I'm wearing right now, first and foremost, eGuard watches. They're a beautiful watch and they're really popular with law enforcement officers. Talk about why that is. <laughs> well, we, uh, we released a campaign called Speak Truth. Uh, it was in the height of the defund police movement and it was a, an attempt to offer an opposing narrative in support of police, humanizing police, and try and get everyone to pull back a little bit and take a second look at how they're acting and behaving toward law enforcement. And it's such a powerful video. In fact, let's do this right now. Let's show folks right now the video that uh, made you so famous in the law enforcement community. This world. This world is so imperfect. It's full of pain and fear. Despite all the chaos, all the judgment, we know that so many of you are good. We forget how human we are, how human we all are, including you. And that among all the sacrifice, mistakes can be made, and bad people do exist. We know that a world without you would not be better, but far, far worse. And for that, we thank you. We know how much of your sacrifice goes unnoticed, and we know that the worst of you get the spotlight instead of the best. So many of you have given your lives to protect ours, to keep us safe. We will not stand by and let your work go unnoticed. We will speak truth. So on that video, it was, it's so powerful. And I remember the first time seeing it, my, my husband showed it to me because we had seen your videos before we, we, uh, we loved the video about what is a man. Um, and I want you to remind people about that, 
that campaign because I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I was a police officer for 29 years. So I worked mostly with men. I have a husband. I have two sons. I have three grandsons. And the anti-man culture was very infuriating for a lot of people. So talk about that video. What is a man? So there was a lot of rhetoric at the time going on that was, as you say, anti, anti-male, anti-strong male. Uh, and I have a fundamental belief that we do need strong men in society for society to function. Uh, and I had noticed this trend started with, you know, some companies started with Hollywood, started with media, and then it just kept building and building and building to the point where Gillette put out a video, essentially just bashing men, referring to masculinity as toxic. And if you listen to their words, they say some men aren't like this. That was their way out. But some implies the minority, not the majority, whereas I see it, the majority are not toxic. The majority are out there trying to help provide, uh, you know, they our, our men go, majority of the military is men, especially if you look at uh, the guys going out there and sadly, you know, losing their lives, losing their limbs. It's overwhelming, overwhelmingly majority men, uh, firefighters, all these positions that that men take and just in general in, in everyday life. And so I wanted to, again, kind of pull back the narrative and say, hey, we're erasing something very important here. And a lot of the videos I put out and a lot of my beliefs have to do with that kind of ideological fracture. There's a percentage of the population and they're supported heavily by big tech, by media, by politicians and by Hollywood that are what I would call pushing inversions of truth that are detrimental to society. And whether it's about men, women, law enforcement, freedom, you know, all these ideas, we're trying to destroy fundamental American values. Um, and there's a danger in that. So I put out that video at that time because I just had such a strong response to the idea that this is such a mainstream narrative now and no one's willing to speak up against it. There's so much fear around it. And that's a big theme of mine. It's like, why are people so scared to stand up for a basic truth? And it's well, not and I've got to I've got Sorry, to go ask you because you uh, make part you have made part of your living in Hollywood. And when you came out with that, what is a man video? <laughs> you know, you're you were you were dancing on the edge there, weren't you? Very much so. And I always say I'm willing to give up my career if it means that uh, I have a voice. I don't. The whole point of the arts is to be able to express yourself, to be able to to have cultural change. You know, that's historically how people have been able to bring light to issues that no one wanted to talk about was through art, through comedy. We're destroying that. Now you're only allowed one perspective and one perspective only. So if that means I have to throw away my career, I'm 100% certain that there is a majority in this country, a silent majority who has, who has just been bullied into silence, who will find content that they support. And if it's outside of Hollywood that that content has to be created, then so be it. I would like to be at the front line of that as opposed to just silencing myself just to fit in. Well, so you had some great success, uh, you know, with that video. And, and of course, this is ultimately about uh, also drawing attention to your business. We'll talk about the watches in a minute. But then I'm going to assume uh, after uh, May of 2020, when you're watching what's happening, the riots and, and you know, the terrible death of George Floyd and, and then this just absolute vilification of American law enforcement, then you decided to take on cancel culture times a thousand and you stepped in with hashtag speak truth. I want everybody to, to go see that hashtag. And you produced a video that just is uh, so heartbreaking and yet so 
empowering when it comes to law enforcement. Talk about that. So I feel, again, the George Floyd thing was terrible. And, and a lot of what happens a lot of the time is people take advantage. People on that side of the aisle who are trying to manipulate or trying to create these narratives, they take advantage of a very strong emotional response. And it's actually something that sadly, the our side, let's say, the side that wants to support basic truths is not very good at. We're very rational. We're very direct. But we're not very polite. artistic, polite, agreeable. And these are... These are nice traits, but they can sometimes be uh, used against people. So the George Floyd thing happens. It's terrible. It's really specifically about one officer, regardless of how people feel about that event. It's taken advantage of to generalize an entire population of people who are out there risking their lives for us. And I'll be honest, I grew up, you know, every kid who grows up nowadays, sadly, is exposed to like anti-police rhetoric. It's just kind of how you grow up. And so you get caught up in it because you want to fit in with your friends. Everyone's talking about it. And there's a lot of social pressure to conform to hate police. It's kind of like how, especially if you're in a rougher neighborhood or nowadays, I don't even think you have to be in a rougher neighborhood. I think you just have to live anywhere. And, and Netflix is putting out this, did you see that short film, Cops and Robbers? It's yes. shocking. It essentially portrays police as KKK members, white supremacists. And there's this overarching narrative that's so overwhelming in the country. And it kind of peaked with this defund police movement. And to be totally honest, it was completely detached from reality, data, any type of common sense, any type of empathy. And it, it wasn't even, here's the most ironic thing of all of this. It wasn't even going to help the very people they said they wanted to help. In other words, if you're looking at minority communities, if you're looking at, at the, the population in the country that is most targeted through homicide and violent crime, and then you remove police, from those communities, then the homicide and violent crime in those communities skyrockets. It's not so hard to predict this, which is exactly what happened. Now it's undeniable because we have an end result. We see what happened. And I was absolutely right. The crime rates skyrocketed in those areas, in those specifically minority communities where we defunded the police. So I see this huge attack on people who are going out there every day. And it was a massive, massive generalization of all of them. And again, I was shocked that not one company not one person in Hollywood. It was, it was just this one narrative. And again, everyone was so scared. I remember when I was going to put out that video, even my own family members, oh, you're going to be attacked. You live in California. People are going to know where you live. They're going to come to your house. There were riots near my house. And I'm like, you know what? Again, I'm not going to live out of fear uh, and censor myself because I fundamentally truly believe, I have to believe that deep down, a lot of us are just bullied into si silence, bullied into agreeableness. And that there's a lot of people who do support police still. So I put out the message hoping to raise awareness, open a door for people to say, hey, we can think and say these things. And then also to the people who are very anti-police, I started that, not just that video, I, I went out and I tried to interview as many police as possible and show they're human beings. They go through a lot and they're taking on a job that nobody wants to do today and they should be honored for it. And if you want to see police be better, it's kind of the same philosophy as, as the what is a man video. If you truly believe there's a problem in the police force, if you truly believe there's a problem with toxic masculinity, then highlight the best of the group. Celebrate the best of the group. Do not tear everyone down. Do not show everyone as villains because you reinforce negative behavior like that. You create tension. And so, which is exactly what happened. I could rant for an hour on this. I'm sorry. I just think there's so many, it's, it's so counterintuitive, the entire approach to what they claim they want. And they have to know it deep down. Because if you increase tension between, if you tell all 
members of a minority community, that police are out to kill them, and police are white supremacists, and police are all dangerous, and you, you instill severe, severe fear into young children, which they were doing, and they continue to do on a daily basis, and then you increase tension with the police force by holding police accountable to extents that make no sense, generalizing the entire police community based on the actions of the few, vilifying them on a daily basis, their level of tension in every interaction is heightened. So what are you doing? You're taking two groups who you claim have a problem with each other, and you're increasing tension to the highest degree possible and saying that's how we're going to solve the problem. So now when they meet each other, everyone's in a fear state. Nobody feels like they have any support, and they're super scared of each other. Of course, you're going to have more negative outcomes. So I don't know. I could, again, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I think it's ideologically driven and it's very sad. So, well, and it's frightening because exactly what you said is happening is we have, and we talk about this a lot at the National Police Association is that now there are a lot of young people in this country, especially young people of color who have been told by the highest level politicians in this country, if you are black and a white police officer pulls you over, they're gonna shoot you in the head. And, and so why wouldn't, like you said, why wouldn't you be afraid of law enforcement? And yet we hear, then we hear, well, you need to do more community policing. You need to do this, you need to do that. We do all that. We've been doing, I've been, I was a police officer for 29 years. I started in law enforcement as a police dispatcher in the seventies, we were doing community policing then. We never stopped, except now a lot of those programs are getting either defunded or they're having to, to just get canceled out of an agency because we don't have enough police officers to patrol the streets. And so, you know, you're right. This is, it's driven by ideology, but it's so illogical. And, and I'm hopeful, and I wanna hear what you think, but I am hopeful that these communities that are being impacted negatively by, by crime and chaos and mayhem are starting to see how much they need law enforcement and how much they've been lied to by, by activists, by political leadership. So I lived in Spanish Harlem, which was a rough neighborhood when I lived there back in the day. I lived in Carson, which is right near Compton, which was a very rough neighborhood. I've lived in, in areas where there was high homicide rates. And the most interesting thing of all is everyone who saw a police car drive by knew that it meant that there was a lower chance that there was going to be a violent crime in that area. People would purposefully try and move to the parts of that neighborhood where there was a higher police presence. And so the irony here is that deep down, everybody knows that if there's crime in a neighborhood, the police are the best thing to prevent it. They're, they just, their presence is a deterrent. And so there's massive hypocrisy behind all of this because those very same people who are out chanting against the police are the first ones to uh, call the police when there's a problem in their own home. And if you actually look at a lot of the people push, pushing these narratives, they're actually in positions of severe elitism. They have their own private security. They, have their, they live in an area with a low crime rate. So they're out there saying police are bad, police are bad. It doesn't directly affect them. You see a lot of these politicians and a lot of Hollywood and a lot of these people of course, it's easy to go out and say that. You don't live in, in, in Carson or Compton where, where people are being shot on the corner. You don't go through that. So you're out there chanting like you're a hero. You're morally righteous. But in the end of the day, people are literally dying. That is the reality-based effect of your ideology. And, and again, they don't care because they place in every aspect of life 
and you'll see this consistently across every single one of my videos, what I'm fighting essentially is ideology, them favoring ideology above reality. There's reality and then there's what they believe. And they are literally trying to supersede reality. They're trying to supersede consequence. They're trying to supersede any type of value that has historically helped society progress in favor of their ideology. And there is always consequence to that. Do you believe that people like that are doing it purposefully to destroy the, the wonderful American experiment? Or do you think they're just so blinded by ideology that they, they don't see the logic, they don't see the reality? I think the vast majority of people are exposed to messages nowadays, like critical race theory. Our country is fundamentally racist. There's an, you know, you look at a lot of the narratives pushed today and they're narratives that will convince people that they are victims, that the country itself is against them, that the entire structure of our country, that capitalism is bad, that they, they're suffering due to the system they are in, a reduction of personal responsibility. In other words, you're not personally liable or responsible for anything you have going on that might not be working. It's because everything around you is against you, so destroy everything around you. Now, I don't know if the people putting out that message at the top, I can't say for sure if it's intentional or incidental, it comes from a root cause of moral relativism. In other words, if you deny the intrinsic value of a human being, right, you have to seek other systems of value. Because if you're not valuable just for being you and I'm not valuable just for being me, I'm gonna seek value. And how do I seek value? Through group identity, through almost becoming like a worshiper of an ideology. And we see this consistently. You, during a lot of these things, the person who speaks out the most becomes the most virtuous in the group. And that's how they get value. So if you're in a group of people, if you're exposed to Hollywood and all these, these people you admire who are telling you police are essentially white supremacists, and you're, you become the loudest voice against them now, well, what do you get for that? You get rewarded. You are now virtuous. It's almost like a religion. And so they're all trying to climb this ladder of religion. I see it in Hollywood, especially where people compete to be more morally righteous than the person beside them. And in, in the process of doing that, they're actually becoming the very thing they hate. They're subdividing people into groups. They're, they're implementing policies that hurt the very people they claim they want to help. They're censoring people and, and they're hurting people, destroying people's lives. And they believe that they're doing this because they will then have the most value in that community. And so we've created an inversion of basic truth where you derive value through group identity as opposed to individual identity. Uh, and I think that is by design, sadly. The entire, uh, a lot of the messages I see pushed nowadays, I can only, I cannot justify them through incidental cause. I believe they are by design. Uh, and again, they stem from a, a, a baseline position of a denial of absolute truth or basic truths that something in this world are fundamentally true. Um, and so th that's where all that comes from, in my opinion. Can you tell me in a minute, um, how did, did they try to cancel you? How has this affected, uh, how has this affected Igar watches? I mean, we've been censored heavily on YouTube. Uh, we've been shadow banned. Some videos have been taken down. We get, uh, restricted right away. Same on other platforms. We've been threatened that they won't let us advertise anymore. I personally get hate mail. But I also receive a tremendous amount of support. I was, when I did that, what is a man video? The craziest part of that is I was accused of being for that video, not anything else. There's not like some backstory here. They just came out and accused me of being a supporter of rape and rape culture. Because I made a video that highlights that men 
uh, are necessary to society and that we should not be erasing masculinity, which is interesting because we're erasing now femininity and womanhood <laughs> and all that. And you have uh, a video, what is a woman? Yeah, it's so interesting because I was like, well, to, at, at back then I was like, well, the narrative is so against men. I need to do something to support, uh, you know, the, this group of people who no longer know how to identify, self-identify with an important part of who they are. And then you see a few years later that the attack completely shifted. It's not like it's gone on that end, but it's, it's now they're really going after I would never would have thought it was possible. They're just going after women, <laughs> completely trying to erase the concept of womanhood. Yeah. Uh, so it's ah, it's insane. Elon, where can people find you? Where can they find the videos so they can uh, see what you're doing? So if they go to eggardwatches.com, E-G-A-R-D watches.com, we have a section there called Our Films. Uh, we also have a page on there, which is the, it should be a banner in support of law enforcement. And we actually have podcasts if they scroll down there for the Blue Line Watch, um, that for the police watch. Get uh, yourself one, guys. They're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but there's actually some really amazing interviews we did there with some really amazing law enforcement. Uh, and I think it's important for people who... I'm sure everyone here is exposed to law enforcement quite often and already sees them as human beings, but it's a good tool for to show people if you have a friend who's very anti-law enforcement to say, hey, just watch what they go through, see that they care. Uh, and it can kind of get people to pull back a little bit and see someone as a human being. We cannot thank you enough for spending time with us today. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.